0: Chapter 11 of Paul, A Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Paul, A Herald of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 11 The Master of the World i saw him move i tell thee nay thou art blind man twas but the sunlight flickering athwart his pillow he has been dead this half hour and already the son of germanicus has gone forth to assume the imperial authority dost thou not hear the shouting of the guard i hear but i would that it were the other what gemellus not so say i i have had enough of the name tiberius and the people can stomach it no better than I. This golden cup now shall be thine. I will take the chain. I am afraid to do it. Stephanian will return, and— Ow! didst thou hear that? With eyes starting from their heads, the guilty slaves hid themselves behind a fold of the bed curtains. A low, gurgling sound had issued from the lips of the supposed corpse. Now the heavy lids lifted. Stephanian, Narcissus, called a hoarse, weak voice. Hither, knaves, call C. What, no answer? Where are the dogs? The huge bulk stirred, raised itself upon one elbow. Ha, they are gone. They think me dead, but they will find their mistake. I am alive. I am strong again. I will feed their bodies to the slow flames. I will torture them as I myself am tortured. To the horror of the hidden witnesses, the man who was to have stirred no more actually staggered to his feet and advanced into the middle of the floor. Here he stood for a moment as if irresolute, then with a low despairing cry threw up his hands and fell heavily to the floor. Caius, Caius, shouted the voices outside. ''Master of the world! Emperor of Rome!'' At this, one of the men behind the curtain started forward suddenly. ''Call a physician!'' he cried. Then, as the other still drew back, he whispered impatiently, ''Dost thou not see, Dolt, that this is the chance of a lifetime for us? If we save Tiberius now, he will make us free and rich and powerful!'' As for the distinguished prefect of Praetorians and his tool, the bandy-legged Caligula, to say nothing of the overbearing Stephanian and his crew, what think you will befall them? Make haste, I say. The other slave stroked his chin reflectively. It is a chance, as thou sayest, he said slowly, staring at the prostrate figure of Tiberius, which still stirred feebly. Twould be for a day, I am thinking.' The man here is all but dead. As for Caius, he paused and looked heavily down upon the floor. Thou art a slow-witted fool, exclaimed his companion violently, and dost deserve thy chain. Stay thou here. I will call a leech. Hold, growled the other with a fierce look. I may be slow-witted, but I am no fool. Leave this matter to me, and I will bring out of it both freedom and fortune. Keep him alive for half an hour yet, and we are slaves no longer. Left to himself, his companion bent over the body of the emperor, and listened anxiously at his breast. He picked up the golden cup from the floor where he had let it fall in his fright, and pouring into it a draft of wine, raised the heavy head and carefully dropped a small portion of the liquid into the half-open mouth. My signet, groaned Tiberius, rolling his head from side to side. My gemellus. To Caius, the son of Germanicus, it seemed that the goal of his ambition was finally reached. He was emperor of Rome at last. Smiling courtiers were thronging about him. The joyful shouts of the Praetorian guard rent the air. Distinguished generals and deputies were arriving to do him honor. Truly he had climbed to a dizzy height, but his nerve was steady and his heart was strong. They feared him already, this glittering throng. He could see that well they should fear him yet more they do not know me he said within himself at the thought a sneering smile crept about the corners of his pale lips at the right hand of caius stood the prefect of the praetorians clad in the full panoply of his office he also was flushed and triumphant all had gone smoothly and well There had been no opposition to his plans, scarce a mention of the unfortunate Gemellus, who through the machinations of the prefect was absent at this time, and all this without bloodshed or show of violence. Of this the worthy macro was on the whole glad. Too long had Rome been nauseated with blood. From henceforth matters should be conducted on a different plan. If I am not emperor, he thought complacently. I am that which is far greater, a maker and ruler of emperors. As I have moved this puppet Caius in the past, so will I control and direct him in the future. He expanded his chest with a deep breath of enjoyment and triumph. His tone and gesture as he responded to some trifling remark addressed to him by the newly made emperor suggested that of an indulgent master to his favorite slave. Caius perceived this. His face grew dark. At that moment his eye fell upon a man who was endeavoring to make his way through the throng of courtiers and soldiers. "'Tis my old slave Codrus,' he said, "'and the fellow will crave a boon of me, but I have a score to settle with him first.' And he drew his brows together with an ominous look. "'No violence today, I beg of thee,' whispered Macro hastily. "'There has been too much of that in days past. Do what thou wilt in secret, but—' And is it thou, Macro, who art emperor? said Caius, with an insulting smile. Or is it I, Caius Caesar? Nay, I like not thy face and manner, good prefect. Macro bit his lip, his face grew red with anger. I must venture to remind the emperor, he said coldly, that had it not been for... Nay, thou must not venture to remind the emperor, interrupted Caius arrogantly. The emperor, like the gods, can both remember and forget at his pleasure. For thee there is but forgetting, as far as the past goes. This thou mayest remember, and he burst into a loud laugh at his own sorry wit. Macro did not join in the laugh, but nonetheless his face lit up marvelously. The slave Codrus had thrown himself down before them with a loud cry. Tiberius is alive! He hath recovered himself by the mercy of the gods, and both speaks and sees." The effect of these words was amazing. The crowd of flattering courtiers dissolved away and vanished, even as a bank of mist before the rising sun. The shouts of the soldiers were instantly silenced by someone in authority. Caius stood as if turned to stone, the arrogant laugh frozen upon his lips. He tottered and would have fallen but for the prompt arm of the man at his side. What, what shall I do? he gasped, turning his white face upon the prefect. I, Must fly. Hadst thou asked me the question an hour since, son of Germanicus, I might perchance have answered thee, sneered Macro. Thou, who alone canst remember, wilt perchance remember that for me there is but forgetting. I have therefore forgotten my wisdom. I cannot advise thee. Nay, I did but jest, good Macro, I did but jest. And thou wilt again jest if I restore thee to power, said Macro. Regarding him gloomily, I swear that I will not, gasped Caius, his teeth chattering with abject fear. Look, they are already coming to drag me before him. Who is with the emperor? demanded Macro, turning to Codrus. The slave Narcissus, no other, replied Codrus, looking straight into the eyes of the prefect. Tiberius, he continued in a lower tone, rose from his couch unassisted and is fallen upon the floor of his chamber. "'Desirest thou thy freedom, slave?' said the prefect. "'The gods be my witness that I do,' responded Codrus fervently. "'Go, then, deliver the soul of Tiberius from the flesh, which hath too long irked him, and thou shalt have thy freedom together with a thousand drachma of gold. "'Stay, he lies, sayest thou, upon the floor of his chamber. "'Heap upon him the clothing of his couch, and leave him alone. "'The gods will take care of the rest.' I will do this thing for my freedom, said the slave, slowly raising his right hand above his head. But the father of the gods is my witness that thou hast commanded it. I but obey, as the javelin obeys the hand of him that hurls it. With that he was gone, swift as the murderous weapon to which he had likened himself. And so on that day perished miserably Tiberius in the seventy and eighth year of his life, and Caius Caesar, son of his brother's son, reigned in his stead among those who presently thronged more thickly than ever about the newly made emperor, Tiberius having been at last officially declared dead, to the great joy of all concerned, there came a woman, pallid and sorrowful, yet bearing herself with a right queenly grace. A boon, my lord, the emperor, a boon, she cried, throwing herself at his feet. Herod Agrippa was thy friend, and because he was thy friend he hath languished now for many months in a foul dungeon. "'laden moreover with a chain of iron which cankers not his flesh, "'more than the thought of it hath tortured me, his wife.' "'The foul and sluggish current of Caligula's blood "'was flowing more swiftly on this memorable day than was its wont. "'He therefore sprang to his feet with a flush on his cheek "'that in another might have argued "'the generous indignation of true friendship. "'Agrippa! And in a dungeon!' he exclaimed. "'Fetch him forth instantly!' And for the iron chain that hath bound him, let a golden chain be made of equal weight. For with blood will Caius Caesar quench the fires of hatred, and with chains of gold will he bind to him the hearts of his friends. All that heard applauded him for the godlike wisdom of his words. Macro applauded with the rest. He had begun to understand the nature of his royal master. And Cherocles, the wise physician, having seen the play to its end, went back to Rome content to have been only a looker-on. Verily, he said aloud, thoughtfully contemplating the grinning skull which served to keep his parchment leaves from fluttering away in the breeze from the open window. Verily, this world must present a strange spectacle to the immortal gods, if there be any gods, for in it we mortals emerging from the black night of nothingness crawl for a little in the light, sleeping and waking, burden-bearing, fighting, eating, drinking, loving, perhaps, and loved, of a surety hating and hated, clutching madly at a robe of sheep's wool dyed with purple, the purple but the blood of a miserable shellfish, empty emblem of a power that exists not, and at the last scourged again by some invisible hand into the further blackness to emerge no more. If we be what men call wise, What is our wisdom save the power to know our unspeakable ignorance? End of chapter 11